0: Yeah, buddy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you your family and those around you. Today I am joined as per is the standard by my captain, my co-host, a man who puts the business in lifestyle business. And today we are augmented by our good friend and cohort in crime, the Shogunator. So that's Sean Ogle from Location 180. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll share with you one potential strategy to buy yourself out of a Google ding and an incredible way that Shogul shared with us to find high dollar domains that convert sales and create rankings in your niche in under 10 minutes. This is a legit hot tip from top affiliate marketers. Let's
1: move on to the news.
0: Sean, you're joining us. That's weird. Why are you here in San Diego?
1: I'm here in San Diego because it had just been too long since I had seen your smiling faces. So I (laughs) thought I'd come down and get a little work done with you guys for a few days. Plus, it's too rainy in Portland. Needed some sunshine in my life.
2: Wow, what's going on with you, Ian? Not much. Just enjoying Sean's company here. Getting some stuff done. We got the whiteboard out, drawing some pictures, and looking forward to 2011.
1: Last
0: night, we had an awesome sushi dinner with the whole team.
2: Yeah, we did. We went over to Harney Sushi. Anybody that's in San Diego, fabulous sushi rolls over at Harney Sushi.
0: We should link see to Harney Sushi. In fact, I don't want more people to have to go there. We have to wait a long time to get into this place. We bought an awesome domain name last night, rankrat.com. There are still some good domain names out there. I saw Mark Lawrence bought spothero.com. Great brand. David from Live Life Big and now niche has bought some incredible domains. Last year we bought resortrebel.com. I just want to say, there's some good domain names still out there. Some things to avoid when choosing a domain name some hot tips i almost bought site audit sergeant last night bad one that's available for anybody that wants it but the reason i wouldn't suggest it is who can spell sergeant nobody so bad brand any quick tips on buying domain names sean
1: short and memorable you can find a short domain name that you can brand like rank rat's a perfect example of that you can build a brand around it it's easy to remember don't go for all the hyphens and the dashes
0: i love alliterative brands so rank rat resort rebel. We've got an incredible list of these things. Basically one descriptor, one noun and switch them up and try to keep it under 10 letters. What
2: I try to do is wait at least 24 hours before I buy the domain. Right. And this is something that we try to do all the time. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with RankRat, but it turns out I think that's going to be a good one anyways. Sean's going to share with us a quick tip at the end of the show. Yeah, that's
0: going to be huge. we got to build anticipation for that. That's a really nice tip. Our GoDaddy account is pretty much like the boulevard of broken dreams. Yeah. You know, it's like all these hopes and desires, like all these great night brainstorming sessions just sitting there like
1: driftwood.
2: Yeah, so quick tip, don't put them on auto-renew.
1: Then you're the one with a uh, Site Audit Sergeant, you're like oh, we should go for two <laughs> years on this one, we should go for two years, that wouldn't have lasted two days. That's a good
0: quick tip. Something that we're thinking about now is, we had some really nice revenue numbers through our cart this month. So we did about 30,000 through the actual cart. Still, the majority of our sales are over the phones. It looks like we're tracking to do about 80 grand this month. But as our cart percentages go up, one of our pain points in our business is entering in those sales orders into our core accounting program, which is now QuickBooks 2008, not online edition. And so what's happening for our sales rep is that this is extremely time-consuming. He's got to basically create a sales order for every single order that comes in off the internet. So we're looking at a couple solutions potentially upgrading to QuickBooks online, potentially finding a system that integrates the two or exporting the orders from our website in such a way that they can be imported into QuickBooks without any sort of manual handling. Potentially. Yeah. I kind of want to just toss that out to the audience, let them know about a pain point that we're having. You know, you got to get all your orders, all your transactions into one central place. For us, that's QuickBooks. You got to do it. You can't have two different sets of books. Well, you can, but you can't talk about it on your podcast, right? Right. I'm kidding IRS. I'm kidding IRS people. I just want to put that out there to the podcast listeners because they might have some kind of quick tips for us. Quick shouts. Since I'm back in the United States, my communication volume has like gone up 500%. It's like I am always communicating. It's ridiculous. That's been the most profound change for me. I'm coming back. I'm getting tweeted. I'm getting these text messages that everybody's doing nowadays, these newfangled text messages. The telephone is blowing up. Everything's blowing up. It's been fun, actually. Last week in one day, I talked to five different podcast listeners on my real telephone in one business day. It was awesome. Joel Runyon, I talked to him. Actually, Sean and I did a video conference with him yesterday, talking about BizNass. I talked to David Crandall about business. I talked to Srini Rao about business. I'm talking to everybody about BizNass. We're getting some stuff done. That's been fun. So big shouts to everybody who's calling me on my
1: MoFo phone. In my inbox has been blowing up since Dan got back into town, and you know, tweets every two seconds and business emails. It's like. This guy really has uh, been rocking it when it comes to communication.
2: I think what we're trying to say here is Dan's actually doing work now that he's been back from
0: Asia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. It's true. Maybe. Maybe.
0: We got a question from Joel Runyon. He says, what happened to the beard? He gives us a little links over to the art of manliness. and There's a discussion over there about can you be successful in business if you have a beard? What kind of question is this to you guys? And what kind of advice do you have for someone who's thinking about growing a beard? I
1: cannot believe that question. I have seen more success in my life and my business since I started growing the beard out. If you want to be a true lifestyle you know, business owner, you know, you've got to do it because you're too busy to shave. You've got more stuff going on. It's worked for me and I'm biting it out. So I'm on the six-week schedule. I shave every six weeks and I just let it grow.
0: Right. I wrote that post the other day about who I really am and I started swearing all over the place. And that's a little extreme, but you know, one thing when I worked in a corporation, I always felt like the weirdo because I wanted to tell my off-color jokes and I wanted to wear my weird clothes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like now that I've got my own business, screw it. You know what I mean? I do whatever I want. That's why I started a business. So I think if you're an entrepreneur, the question is moot. Who cares? Do what you want to do. Now, if you're thinking about a strategist, if you're walking into a high-powered meeting with Bill Gates, you might want to look into his historical attitude about facial hair. But in general, who cares? Next question. we got an interesting question from Michael Solnowsky. He just wants to drop us a quick line to say, I've been learning a lot. I love the podcast. Thanks, Michael. We love you for having said that. We'll love you even more if you give us an iTunes review or follow us on Kiva.org, our lifestyle entrepreneurs investment group. It's free to follow. It's not donations. They're loans. It's awesome. Michael is thinking about getting into the niche of teaching guitars. And his point is, is he's got a ton of experience, but the key terms he's pointing up don't have enough traffic. And there's tons of competition in the teach guitar niche. Now, we've got a couple guitars in there. And Sean, as I understand it, you've done some affiliate work in the guitar niche. Before.
1: Yes, the very first site I ever created, the very first niche site was in that exact industry. So I've got a, a couple things that I learned from that that may be helpful to you. First off, you know, the term learn how to play guitar or any variation, it's covered to death and there's gonna be a ton of competition. So you need to niche that down even farther. Guitar hacking, learn how to play classical guitar, even that, that's probably too broad. Learn how to play a certain band's songs. You're gonna start finding keywords that are searched for a lot and they may not have as much traffic, but they're very specific in what people are looking for. So if you can solve those problems, then you're gonna be ahead of the game. And that leads me to the second point, which is just because a key term traditionally speaking doesn't have a lot of traffic does not mean there's not a lot of opportunity there. And some of these long tail keywords, there's actually more opportunity because people are more specific for what they're looking for. So I look at that and I say, as you relate it to our business, for our main key term across all of our businesses, we make tens of thousands of dollars every year from a key term that gets 10 searches a day. You have to take it for what it's worth. A lot of the successful affiliate marketers and online marketers can tell you have to be in between these ranges, but it's not true. If you start thinking outside the box, a little piece of success as well.
0: Michael needs an angle, like with a capital A, and he needs to hit it hard and see if it's going to work. You could go with the key term angle and say, I'm going to go SEO for... Learn the caged system. Caged system is like sort of a tertiary concept in guitar. And it's possible that there's not a lot of sort of competition for learn caged. And there's a lot of people who want to learn caged. That's one approach. Another approach is YouTube marketing and saying, you know what? I'm going to develop a cool brand like guitarguru.com or whatever. You come up with your brand name that's memorable and short. And then you go onto YouTube and you have a personality or an angle that's compelling.
2: So maybe you're teaching guitar from sitting in a tree.
0: You could be sitting in a tree, you could do a gimmick, you could have a particular way of teaching that's innovative. I would love to see someone combine Tim Ferriss' rapid learning techniques with guitar. Still, very few guitar teachers teach you how to hack it and present it that way. That's one angle. It needs to ultimately have to do with who you are as a person and like what you think is compelling about the guitar. But explore that and use that as your angle. In terms of guitar, you're seeing people out there crushing it on YouTube. Next Level Guitar Guys, you have seen Justin Guitar. Don't let their backwards hats fool you. These guys are millionaires from what they're doing. There's still room for people to go out there and teach. Mahalo.com is making crap tons of money off of teach guitar videos. Guitar is a huge market. I think you need an angle that's based on a particularity, a belief that you have, an innovation that you found, that big fat angle. Michael, when you figure out what your angle is, man, let us know and we'll announce it here on the podcast. I'm interested to hear. guys. guys. Guys, let's move on to the meat and potatoes. I'm excited about this one. One fail-proof method for success. Seriously, seriously. We are actually, with a straight face, going to present you with a fail-proof method for success. I think this is universal. I think this applies to everyone. I deliver this as my, I don't know you, but I'm confident giving you this advice anyway.
2: We are looking success right in the face here with Sean Ogle.
0: Sean, he is embodiment of this fail proof method for success. So let's talk a little bit about your narrative. You write a lifestyle design blog. I'm going to call it that. I know you're cringing on the inside right now. Location180.com. The reason that your blog set apart from other blogs in the niche is obviously because of you. But when you visit the blog, you don't see that right away. What sets your blog apart is that it's narrative-based. A lot of lifestyle design blogs are sort of self-help or productivity or like, here's what I did and here's how. But you're very much the narrative-based blog. And so I would definitely recommend I was a reader of your blog before we even knew each other. It's a great blog. But tell us about – you started with the
1: blog how long ago now? It's close to two years ago, May of 2009.
0: And what impresses me about the blog is you came out like babe in the woods, like, oh, my gosh, I quit my job I'm freaking out. Uh, this is going to be exciting, this is going to be fun. You kind of came across as like someone without a lot of experience and someone that was like really excited about the transition but didn't know what they were going to do. And even like when you did your guest post, you got beat up by all these real people about how you're this inexperienced guy. And now, I think when people meet you in real life, they're sort of blown away. Like you really come across as a businessman. How does that transition happen over the course of a couple years?
1: Well, there's a few things that kind of worked in my favor. One, in all my interactions online, all the interactions I have in person, I'm genuine. I genuinely care about what other people say, you know, I listen and not pretend to be someone I'm not online. I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of people lately about, you know, them meeting people in person and being very different than their online persona. I think a lot of people when they meet me is they realize it's like, I've been pretty personal in what I do online and, you know, that comes through in person as well. And so they say, you know what? That lets me build trust. You know, it's like they say, oh, you're exactly who I thought you were. And so, you know, that's when opportunities start opening up for you. When people have that trust, you've built the credibility and genuinely just being likable. If people like you, then they're going to want to work with you and things are going to open up. How's
0: your life different now than it was two years ago. When you first like took off the Thailand and quit your job, you went through that transition. You didn't really know what to expect. What's life like now? I just want to make it clear to the audience, you're a legit entrepreneur at this point. Like You've got a business. You make an automated income every month. It's not like you're just working for a couple other internet marketers. What's life like? I know it took you two years to develop that, but what is the difference now between being the employee guy or the first guy off the boat in Thailand to now being the entrepreneur?
1: Life is exciting. It's like at the time when I was working, I was probably the only guy that had a tie in Portland. You know, I sat at my desk and it's like, you didn't really have anything to look forward to. And now it's like the drop of a hat. I can come down to San Diego, meet my friends, you know, meet you guys. And when you're doing that and you can move around. Around, you can meet people, you can take a Tuesday off to go meet someone for coffee. That's when opportunities start opening up. Right. It's really exciting to have the flexibility to be able to work on my own projects with the people that you know I want to work with.
2: Right. One common theme here is that all three of us kind of had this idea, I know I did and I know Dan did and maybe Sean did, about being a rock star when we were younger. <laughs> and not necessarily playing music, but kind of living the rock star lifestyle. And I think that this is kind of what you're talking about here, is you have free days to kind of explore your creative paths.
1: You know, I look at some of the stuff I've done over the last six months and I can say that some of that stuff definitely parallel to rock star lifestyles. Right. That's one thing I never thought was gonna happen a year ago. And you look at like the opportunities that open up just by meeting people and being genuine and really cool things happen. One
2: thing that you probably have to admit here is that you had some kind of vision for your life being this way.
1: Yes. You know, from the beginning, I didn't know exactly how I wanted to get there, but I knew I wanted to be able to travel and be able to have the freedom to do what I wanted when I wanted.
0: One of the big things for me is getting comfortable with not martyring yourself to work. Yesterday, we haven't done like tons of what you would call normal work, what people would expect to do when people that are in the same business get together. What do we do? We work on our rapport, we build our relationship, we talk about strategy, we talk about the kinds of things that we want to accomplish in three, six, 12 months. That's kind of like what our conversations revolve around. We're not sitting around analyzing every single email that comes through the inbox. And to me, that's something I'm still getting comfortable with. You know, the concept of this higher level work that doesn't always feel like work. On the other hand, The elation, I feel about how much fun that is. Like the fact that we played tennis yesterday at four. Really before that, we kind of just hung out yesterday. And that is what it is about running these sorts of businesses. In some ways, that's what being an entrepreneur is about. The
1: thing that you have to realize is that being an entrepreneur, your work and your life balance is very different. It's all kind of intermingled. So, you know, we'll work on Saturdays or Sundays and think nothing about it. So you're working seven days a week. You know, you have the flexibility to do fun stuff or whatever that might not be considered work during times when most people are sitting at their desk. That's definitely a big difference between the employee and the entrepreneur, because all the stuff we're doing, we're passionate about. We're fun. It doesn't seem like work. Sure, there's times where you have to buckle down and you have to get stuff done, but overall, if you're hanging out with your friends, working with people you like about projects that you like, it's all good.
0: So, I want to cut to the chase and talk about the one fail proof method for success that I believe, to some degree or another, we've all embodied. And this has really worked out well for us. And we want to share some ways that the listeners can participate in that method as well. So, in a nutshell, the method is figure out what you you want. Map out what you want. A dream line is a great example of how to do that. Find people who are currently having, being, or doing what you want and then develop a friendship or a trusting relationship with them. The basic story goes is that eventually those people will distribute opportunities to you because they trust you. And this is something that I believe is fail proof. You've got to get every element of it right. You got to know what you want. That'll put you with the right people. You have to develop a real friendship and real trust. Just being in their orbit isn't enough. They have to trust you. And then the opportunities without question come. I see you've done this to incredible success. Ian's done this to incredible success. I've done this right now. I own a company that looks very much like my business mentor's company. And that opportunity was distributed to me by him. And you're seeing that happen in all of our careers right now. And it was that trusting relationship that makes these things happen. So I'm interested, Sean, if you could break out some of these issues. Let's start at the beginning. How did you decide what it was you wanted?
1: I knew what I didn't want. And that's the life I was living. I knew I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And so I started thinking. If I had unlimited time to do whatever I wanted, what would I want to do? I'd want to meet interesting people, I'd want to travel around, and I'd want to build something that I was passionate about. I knew those three things, the rest was going to take care of itself. And so I just slowly started, you know, talking to people. That's why I started the blog, to get to meet interesting people doing similar things. That's how I got in touch with Dan and Ian. A mentor of mine is Chris Gillibo of The Art of Nonconformity. I sent him an email and said, want to meet up for coffee? I could use some advice. And that turned into a friendship, which has turned into some pretty incredible opportunities for me. And so that's a perfect example of how building a friendship based around people that are doing the stuff you want to do can work out really well. Opportunities, they kind of snowball after a while because you start meeting more and more interesting people that are going to have more and more opportunities for you. Right.
2: Let me just pull out one point that Sean mentioned here. Is It sounds like you just kind of wrote an email out of the blue to Chris. And I think that that's something that we all do on a weekly basis to people that we admire. And 90% of the time, they don't write back. But that 10% of the time that they do write back, a lot of times a relationship form. So I think it's really important to kind of throw yourself off that cliff and start getting rejected in terms of people not responding, but then also looking forward to people responding and great things coming out of that. There's
0: definitely a lot of strategy involved in writing that email well. If you're in town, meeting up with them is a great strategy. But if you're not, emails, all of us here have been huge information publishers. And obviously people want a lot more information from us. So they are always asking us questions and that's cool. We encourage that. But what a lot of people will do is they'll send emails where they're asking for a lot. Like if I say, hey, ask me your business question and I'll talk about it on the podcast, that's one thing. But they ask for a whole lot. You kind of think, well, if you would have listened to what I said or what I wrote, you could answer this question for yourself, but instead you want to engage me, you want to pull time from me. That's fine if it's just in passing, but if you want to develop a relationship with that person, you have to be considered someone that's valued. And you have to be willing to give something. You have to be willing to give something. My suggestion is if you want to develop a relationship with someone, don't ask them a question that's going to be draining to them. Ask them a question that could be a great question for them to publish on their podcast or their blog. I love that. So I don't want to discourage questions. What I want to say is like, if you listen to our podcast and you know we've got troubles, you know we'd be interested in certain things share those things with us proactively. That's one great way to start to develop trust. I know that this guy that's writing me all these helpful emails, man, I start to trust him. A great example is Jamie Marsden. I trust Jamie Marsden because of all the proactive help he's given us. Now I trust him enough to know that I would be willing to promote a product that Jamie Marsden created because I know how he operates. That's a strategy that winners utilize. Deciding what you want and figuring out who's doing what you want I understand that those can be challenging for people, but if you're having a hard time with that, we can't help you too much. You got to figure that out on your own. The real value here is when you figure out that Chris Gillibo is your boy and you're looking at him and you're like, damn, I want to be like Chris Gillibo, How do you develop a trusting relationship with him? You have a trusting relationship with him. So how did you do this?
1: We sat down, we had coffee and I was very genuine in my approach. I was in the exact situation that he was trying to help people get out of. I was in a job that I wasn't happy with. I had a life I wasn't happy with and I wanted to make a change and I was willing to do the Work. I got to the point where he was willing to meet with me once every couple months, you know, throughout the duration of the year. And by the time six months rolled around, I left my job and wasn't sure what to do next. By that time, we were friends, we had a trusting relationship, and he asked me to come on board as part of his team and work in his inner circle with some of the stuff he's doing. Right. And that's the perfect example of opportunity, putting yourself in that position. If you really want to meet people that are doing the same thing you're doing, you've got to get offline, whether that's sending to meet up for coffee or just seeking out opportunities for networking in your city and other cities you go to. You know, we're going to a networking event tonight. The more people that you can meet doing what you want, the better you're going to do.
0: One of the things that Guillebeau said about you in his book and that's very true about you and all all the winners that i'm seeing is that you ship. You deliver results. When Chris Gillibo sits you down for coffee and he gives you a piece of advice, you demonstrate to him that that advice was meaningful vis-a-vis your action. You're not blowing a lot of steam at this guy. You're coming back and saying you told me to start a blog? Boom! Next week, location 180. Dunski's buddy. Plus I got two posts up there. What do you think of me now? That's part of trust, is actually acting in accordance with your desires. That's a way you can build trust with people by acting in such a way that's demonstrative, that they can interpret it as something that's meaningful to them, and that's simple enough. You're not pulling them into this big, convoluted plan or idea. It's like, here's a simple delivery of action upon your idea, sir. And that's something that you can start to gradually trust in. The way that we work together, you're an incredible communicator. You make it very clear to let us know what has been accomplished, what's getting done, and the actions that you did to carry those things out. And you tie that all together, and it builds trust. It's a kernel of trust every time, rather than offloading the problem to us, or talking about it too much, or all this kind of stuff. On that line, I mean, I think it's It's obvious that action builds trust. You guys often get contacted by people who want to build a relationship with you. What are some deal breakers? You know the people that aren't going to be able to get the relationships. Who are those people? And if you're listening to this and you have some of these traits, what can you do to root that out of yourself?
1: The biggest thing for me that I've seen is lack of professionalism in emails. I'm a pretty casual guy. You can say, hey man, what's up? How's it going? And that's okay. But when you don't proofread your work, if you've got a big spelling error in the title or something like that, that's showing me that you didn't read it over that, that carefully and you don't value my time. Even if it's casual and you're trying to appeal to me as a person, I mean, I don't want some super formal, hello, Mr. Ogle kind of thing, but be professional. Keep it brief. Respect their time. Understand that they're busy. If you're reaching out to them, they're probably very busy people. Ian, deal
0: breaker for you.
2: A deal breaker for me is somebody that isn't willing to offer something pretty much right away. And I love it when somebody has something to offer, or they're willing to do something, basically with nothing in return, just providing value right away. Yeah. I think it's really important for people to provide value even if you've got a bunch of questions for your mentor, there's always a way that you can help that person out initially. Yes. Provide them with some kind of value at the same time you're asking the question or you're asking
0: for advice. Absolutely. Ask way too soon in the process, generally. Trusting relationships take a long time to build. My two pieces of advice would be give yourself a real timeline on this stuff. Don't try to sleep with me on the first date. You know what I mean? My second point boils back to like one of our themes of this podcast, which is care and giving a shit. And I feel like a lot of the people that are unsuccessful are self-focused and they're not thinking about giving value to people, which is important. Success trait in entrepreneurs. A lot of people that I feel like I can sense, I can peg, they're going to be the people that don't win. They're the people that are insecure and they don't feel secure about their relationships with others. And so they tend to be very self focused. When they contact you, you can tell that they're not thinking about your values, they're not thinking about what you think is great in the world. They're not thinking about you vis-a-vis the content that you've put out. They seem to be bad at relating to other people, sort of understanding where you might be in your life. It's kind of like insensitivity, lack of care. You know, the classic email, how many times you've got an email from someone, they're talking about how much they care. They've got 10 spelling errors.
1: You just have such a small window with which to make an impression. And if you blow that, then you're going to be screwed from from then on out.
2: The good news is though, you've got plenty of time to practice. We write these emails all day long and get shot down, whether it's to clients, customers, or people that we aspire to be like. We're constantly writing these kinds of emails. So I think it's really important that you pump out five or 10 of these a week.
0: This is absolutely a one fail-proof method for success. And this is important for internet marketers. If you're listening to this right now and you're all alone and you don't have a network of people that are close to you in trusting relationships that are doing what it is you want to do with your life, you are way behind the ball. And I don't want to say that this is easy. Think about this in terms of years. Who do you want your friends to look like? What do you want them to be doing? What do you want to be doing with them? And when you can start to see that vision, start to build these relationships and things will happen for you. They will happen for you. I promise you, I put money on it every single time. Let's move on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section. Well, Sean is in the trenches doing a lot of internet marketing business and he's got some hot tips for us man hot tips Let's talk a little bit about this mass searching for domains based on key terms. This is a little
1: trick that a friend of mine showed me last week and I found it to be extremely helpful when you're trying to find a new niche and you want to make an SEO play. We all know how important it is to have an exact match domain name.
0: My niche is wine racks. What do you mean by exact? match? If
1: your niche is wine racks and someone searches wine racks in Google and you want to be the number one thing, one of the best things you can do is own wine racks.com. That's an example of an exact match domain. If you take the term wine racks and you go Go to the Google Keyword Research Tool. It's going to give you 50, 100, a few hundred results. What you should do, organize it by global results. So you can see the one with the most first all the way on down.
0: That's the most people typing that term into Google.
1: Copy that, export it as a CSV into Excel. What you should do is you should go to column B and add .com. Essentially, you're going to have keyword and then another column that's .com. So for instance, we would have winerax.com, woodwineracks.com. You're going to go ahead and copy all of that. And then you're going to go to namespro.ca. And they've got a multiple domain search tool that you can then copy that into. And what that's going to do is that's going to give you a list of all of your keywords. And it's going to tell you whether or not that.com is available. And you can see it'll give you a list of 50 of them. And, you know, chances are for your exact keyword, you know, the first five, 10, they're probably going to be taken. But as you go on down, you're going to start to see some that are available. And so, you know, you're going to be able to see in order from, you know, the most traffic to the least traffic, what domain names are available. And that's like an instant top 10 SEO play.
0: Right. This is like... Awesome. This is truly incredible way to automate what you would say like a virtual real estate purchase. Let's just assume that a new type of stock gets released and it's called not a penny stock but a nickel stock. You want to say nickel stock investment guide or nickel stock tips. You type that into the Google keyword term and of course the Google keyword term is going to give you alternate suggestions. You've got a product lined up for nickel stocks. You know what your key term is. You could literally buy 25 hot exact match key term to domains and start developing them immediately with your team this is an incredible way to automate these things can mean big money we just bought an exact match key term business maybe eight weeks ago and we're almost on the top page now yeah
1: i think we're like 12 right now
0: and ian how many inquiries have you dealt with two at least this week two custom inquiries came in you can build a business around it but the point is is you can get real business leads off of these exact match
1: keep in mind i've spent 30 minutes putting this website up it's a basic you know wordpress install add an about page a home page and one photo and that's All we've done with it.
2: And there's a phone number, number one, and an email address that links directly to me.
0: Here's what I would suggest to you, dear listener. If you know you can solve a problem, like we knew we could solve this problem, and you know what people are inquiring about when... They ask that problem. Assert yourself as a person who can solve that problem for people on the web by buying these exact match domains, putting up your phone number and saying, call me, baby, I'll solve it for you. All right, we have been sandboxed by Google and so many of our damn businesses. I know, I know that we lost at least 50 grand last year because of sandboxing. I know it at least. First, explain to us what sandboxing is and how you think we might be able to solve it.
1: So essentially with new businesses, Google will sometimes do what's called sandboxing, which means they won't rank you. You could have all the backlinks in the world. You could have all the credibility in the world and you're not going to rank for your key terms. Another reason that this happens is that you screwed something up, you did something wrong and you made Google mad. We had an issue with one of our websites, it was actually one of the ones I was most predominantly involved in, where we had duplicate content issues that we didn't know about. And once we figured that out, we fixed it, but we were still sandboxed for a good three to four months, costing us lots and lots of money. Well, we finally did one thing that worked. What we did was we went and we bought a listing in the Yahoo directory. This is the biggest directory listing. And respected. Biggest in respect directory listing on the internet. If you've got your name in the Yahoo directory, it's basically like proves that you are a legit business and, you know, people can trust you.
2: Now, Sean, would you recommend this for everybody that has any kind of business?
1: I would not recommend this for everybody because it is expensive. It's a $299 annual fee to be listed in this. But what it did for us is as soon as we got listed in that directory, we got desandboxed. within one month. We were on the top page for all of our key terms and we tripled our revenue month over month on that site because we had been working hard for the last six months to do the SEO, build our backlinks and such. And all that stuff was still there. And once we got off that list, then everything just went through the roof.
2: Now one question I have about this $299 that you pay Yahoo to It in their directory. Does that work for just one site? Or say you've got 10 sites, can you use it for all of them?
1: This is essentially one site. So that's it. It's like if you've got three main sites, that's $299 each.
0: This site is going to be an interesting case study for this podcast. In fact, off the top of my head, I think we've had four different podcast listeners work on this site. Plus, Sean Ogle is the webmaster of this particular domain. It's going to be interesting to share more about that. But I've got to share lunch with you guys. It's a beautiful day out here in San Diego. Uh, my mouth's a little dry. Let's get moving. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. We're going to play you out with a hot track by the black keys sean is a blues man himself hopefully this rustic blues tune will inspire you to make a rustic bluesy cold call talk to you guys next time thank you ciao hey everybody thanks for listening don't be shy we've got a mailing list lifestyle businesspodcast.com. go there get yourself signed up and we'll keep you up to date on everything